heart. Sorry, I'll try not to breathe. Thanks, Derek. You gotta love, gotta love God sometime. You know, I don't, I don't want to go to base camp. I don't want to be involved in men's group. Derek says, "Wow, I'm gonna make you in charge of the whole thing." Yeah, yeah. Similarly, you know, yeah, yeah. Similarly, you know, Dave Duhadway, God bless him, used to, you know once or twice a week, say, yeah, I was jogging by your house at 5.30 this morning. I didn't see any lights on. <sighs> Thanks, Dave. Now we're up every morning praying at 6 a.m. with a bunch of men on Zoom. God bless you guys, too. That has been, that's, that's been a change. I tell you what, I, don't, I, I used to say, I don't know how people get through life without Jesus. I, I don't know how they get through COVID without this prayer call in the morning. Tune in sometime. It's it's a it's a hoot. Go early or stay late. It gets a lot. It's it's even more fun. Am I right, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for being here this morning. Um, you know, I, I I start off with this idea. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through everything we've covered, um, and and pretty much to a man. I, I'm sure all the teachers will understand. We've crammed a lot into a small space. I mean, heck, every week someone's looking at their assigned minutes. So I got to cover two and a half chapters of Luke in 20 minutes. So for me to get up here and think I can cover, you know, uh, 16, 15 weeks in 10 minutes just didn't seem right. So I'm going to, um, the Lord spoke to me, Jack, keep it simple. So I'm going to try to keep it pretty simple here. Let's see. Semester wrap up, Jack Law, that's me. The Gospel of Luke in four parts. This is largely based on the book that the uh, teachers have been using to uh, share Luke. And by the way, can I tell you what a joy it is to work with a great group like Alice, uh, Alice. That's what happens when you think of Alec and Dallas at the same time. Alec and Dallas and Dave and Derek and Richard. Who'd I forget? Anyone? I don't think so. Great guys been coming up here. They put their heart into preparation they deliver, and, and every time I leave with, with taking something in my back pocket, and I thank you gentlemen for doing such a great job for us. The four parts we talked about in Luke, the coming of the Savior, the deeds of the Savior, the words of the Savior, and what we're going to cover starting in September, sort of the, uh, the I was going to say the last part, it's, it's all of it, if you will, the going forth of the Savior. Well, the first three parts is what we've been covering since January. We talked about first um, how Jesus came to us. Oh, before I get into that, I want to, th- I wanna, uh, what happens if I go backwards? Oh, cool. It goes away, so it doesn't distract you. A few things that are worth remembering about Luke, who we attribute the writing of the Gospel of Luke. He's a physician. We all know that. Luke, the great physician, therefore a man of science. You can find a lot of debate about this online, but a lot of scholars feel he's quite likely a Gentile, not a Jew. And I think that's important when you think of, of who the gospel came to. He's interested in an orderly account. That's one of my favorite lines, um, you know, in the gospel. It's Luke saying, my dear Theophilus, I intend to set forth an orderly account of the things that have happened that have been made known to you. It's not that he thinks he's telling a story no one has heard. He wants, to, 
he wants to set it down um, as a man of science. I can appreciate that. All right, so what did I say? How Jesus came to us. And I, again, keep those things in mind as you, as you study on the gospel, as you study on Luke, who Luke was. He came, he came to us as a baby. He came to the shepherds first. Some might say the lowly, the unworthy, the outside. Where I come from, we'd call them those people from the other side of the tracks. And he came to save all mankind. He came with a message to the Jews, the Gentiles, the Greeks, to everybody. Salvation has come to earth for everyone, not just the Jew. What Jesus did. Now, for a while in our culture, and I'm not saying it's a dead idea, it, it, it has a lot of merit. We had these four letters, WWJD, right? Had a little bracelet. You got your kids. Kids did something in Awana or Sunday school. What would Jesus do? And then uh, my wife ran across this group putting out this bracelet that says HWLF. You guys heard this one? He would love first. So as sort of, you know, you could consider it a foil to what would Jesus do. You could consider it a companion piece. He would love first. That's what he did. When you read the accounts, when you think of... um, what the teachers have shared with you over the past months. In the deeds of Jesus, as you see him walking, he is loving mankind. He is loving the sinner. He's even loving the Pharisee and the Sadducee, loving them, you know, with a stick sometimes. Um, That's what he would do. He would show primarily his love of God, his dedication to the word. Neither a jot nor a tittle of the law has passed away, but I've come to fulfill the law. And love of people. Uh, every gospel account, the whole, the whole New Testament, the Bible, showing God's love for his people. Now through a man, not just through a word, but through a man, come down from heaven to physically touch people and heal them, to speak to them, to listen to them, to show God's love to people. Now, he was not passive about sin. Far from it. Great stories in the Bible. Cleansing the temple. Speaking directly to the Sadducees, you brood of vipers. Brood of vipers. Next time you don't like one of Marty's sermons, why don't you march into his office on Monday morning and, hey, viper, what are you trying to teach us? Marty, being a wonderful Bible scholar, I don't think gets a lot of that kind of thought. But imagine the audacity to speak to the leaders of the church. Who is this guy? Is he not the son of the carpenter from Nazareth? Yet he's going to come claimed what Jesus said, not passive about sin. What Jesus said, obviously many things, two things came to my heart as I, I thought about this, as I'm thinking, what, how, do I, how do we go off this summer and, and, and take a couple of, I want a couple of things you can stick in your pocket from, from the wonderful teaching you've heard. Wow, I don't have it printed, but that's all right should have printed this one. One, do this and you will live. Many of the stories, someone coming to him asking, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he talks, he'll give a parable uh, or he'll ask, what do you do? Do you follow the law? Yes. Do this and you will live. This is not something that's unknown to you. Show your love of God. Show your love of people. 
Do not be passive about sin. Do this and you will live. And the other, only one thing do you lack. I keep pushing that button like it's going to show up and it just ain't. Only one thing do you lack. This, the humility to dedicate your life to the Lord. Is that the one thing you lack? The humility? Do this and you will live. Only one thing do you lack. Stick them in your pocket. If they're useful, great. If they're not, it's on me. So this summer, I ask you to think, what do Jesus's life and ministry mean to me? This was the first three parts of the gospel we shared this, this semester. Jesus's birth, life, and ministry. What, how he came to us, what he did, and what he said. Now in September, we'll talk about Part four, the going forth of the Savior, as uh, Wilcock calls it in his book. Richard introduced us to this as Jesus returns to the temple. We know Jesus was in the temple as a boy. I I remember because I taught you about it. He was about the of my father. Remember that? Didn't you know I would be, you know, the the translations say about my father's business or in the house of my father. And we go to the Greek and it says just, it doesn't tell you what, the of my father. I'm going to be doing the of my father. Are we doing that? Can we do that this summer? Do the of my father. We'll talk about Satan's hour. Tell you I thought of this myself, I didn't. Uh, I'd like to tell you I thought of this myself, I didn't. Uh, Wilcock puts it in the book. When early on in his ministry, Jesus is tempted by the devil. You guys remember that? Throw yourself off this temple. The angel will not let you strike upon a stone. Um, turn this rock into bread. Uh, do not tempt the Lord. These are the things that, 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 that Satan came and taint, tempted uh, Jesus. It didn't work, right? And what I, did, I didn't kind of remember about that is, then Satan withdrew from Jesus until an opportune time is what the passage says. Well, this gentleman is the opportune time. Jesus is now going to be facing scourging, accusation, spitting, hitting, beating, carrying his cross, crucifixion and death. Pretty opportune time. Satan comes again. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about the cross. in the historians say tens of thousands of people were crucified by the Romans. Tens of thousands. This was not an unusual method of punishment and execution um, in Rome. One stands out. We're going to talk about why that cross, why that piece, those pieces of wood stand out. Also, the nails in that cross, those nails that you and I put there, right? The sin of mankind. And we'll talk about the people around the cross. Seekers, scoffers, believers, same people we interact with every day. Same as the people who are around the cross. How do we interact with them? And we'll talk about the first day of the week. Of course, we'll talk about the empty tomb. 
We'll talk about the road to Emmaus. I always like, you know, the, the gentlemen are walking along the road. Someone else joins them. They don't know who he is. And they say, haven't you heard of what has happened? And then after he left, they realized who it was. And the guy said, you know, it seems something funny about that guy. Is he on the road walking with you? Is there someone that comes into your life and they leave? And you're like, no. It's probably a guy you want to know. And the upper room, Jesus coming to visit the disciples. Thomas asking to see the holes in his hand. Us in our receiving of God, what do we believe through, what do we believe through receiving him? And what do we believe about receiving him? Is it our belief that allows us to receive him or is it our receiving of him that allows to believe in him? We'll talk about that. So during the summer, maybe we think about what did Jesus' death and resurrection mean to me? And I was talking to uh, Derek as we, were talk- as we were discussing how we were going to wrap up the semester. And the thing that came to me was, what if they knew? What if the disciples knew 90 days out? We'll be, we'll be gathering back here in about 90 days in early September, right? What if the disciples knew? They, they knew this man. We know they know you are the son of the living God. All right, we're pretty sure they, they understood that. It's less clear that they understood what he was going to suffer. It's less clear that they understood he was not going to physically as a human triumph over the trial that was to come. That was not the victory he was here to deliver. It's not clear they understood that. We do. We know that. So I don't know, think about the next 90 days. What if for 90 days you knew your Lord was going to be accused, arrested, mocked, scourged, whipped, beaten, nailed to a cross, and die for you? If you knew that 90 days out, how would that impact the next 90 days of your life? How should it? I, I don't know exactly, but this is a question that came, I was, so I, I, I love my wife, and I was talking to her about this, and she said, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't let things get in your way when it comes to, knowing, to sharing the will of God, studying the will of God, sharing his love with his people and not being passive to sin. But do you know? So what did the disciples know? What do you know? And does it matter? Does the knowledge of future pain, and a lot of us are in current pain, sure, I know it, does knowledge of future pain affect how we experience present joy? And should it? How should it affect? So that's a great thing about a wrap-up and when you're previewing something. I don't have to give you the answers. I just get to ask these heavy questions and leave the clicker on the podium. Does the knowledge of future pain affect how we experience present joy? 
does what we're going through now or what we see coming down the road, my dad is gonna turn 90 years this old. He has advanced dementia. We're looking for a memory care facility for him. That's hard, I know what's coming. How does that change how I experience the joy of my dad right now? Sorry. I, Derek put it in my mind. My life verse. Second, uh, Second Timothy 2, 4 through 6. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race and now is there held up for me the crown of righteousness which is in store for all of them who have loved his coming. Something like that. I didn't practice it, so I didn't get it quite perfect there. I think of my dad keeping the faith and the crown of righteousness that's waiting for him when he meets Jesus. So we need to end on a down note. A few discussion questions for you. They're on the sheets. Um, Talk about Luke, talk about your summers. I want you guys, it's, you know, we, we tend to lose a little bit of contact over the summer. Let's try not to do that. Points you earned during the summer? Look over the questions. Um, all right. Look over the questions. Um, we're gonna break the, your first order of business in your table groups, fill out your score sheets, bring them to me wherever I am, all right? Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure to serve you, all right? Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure to serve you this semester. Love God, love his people, don't be passive about sin. Think about the next 90 days, we're gonna come back and talk about some hard things in Jesus' life. <laughs> I'll close with a little story of a man uh, finishing his seminary presentation, and he does his little reading. We're, we get nervous in these things, right? I don't know, I've been to, you know, Harry and I, we've done aircraft commander boards. Everybody's been evaluated at some point in their life, right? And you're a little nervous. He finishes his reading and he says, thus endeth the gospel. And the, the bishop who was overseeing his evaluation said, I certainly hope not. Thank you, gentlemen.